0: You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Jamie, what a blessing, eh? I remember conducting your wedding. Wow, God has been so good. Keep it up, Sun Life Church. We are a growing church. Hallelujah. You know, there's a, there's a funny story of uh, three dads, three dads, um, back in the day when you could not go into the hospital to see your wife give birth, right? Three dads waiting for the arrival of their child, and they're in the waiting room, and the doctor comes out, and I'm sharing this message to you, but I'm, ad- I'm addressing to them, right? you are like this. And uh, the doctor comes out and, and sees the first dad, oh, Mr. Johnson, I've got some great news, Mr. Johnson, uh, your wife gave birth to twins. Two beautiful, healthy boys. And Mr. Johnson was so excited. He said, what a coincidence. I'm the owner of the Johnson & Johnson Company. Wow, hallelujah. A few moments later, the doctor comes out to the second father and says, Mr. Duane, Mr. Duane, congratulations. Your wife gave birth to three beautiful daughters, you are the proud father of triplets, and uh, Mr. Duane, you know Mr. Duane, he's the uh, CEO of the 3M Scotch Company, hallelujah, he goes, what a coincidence, at that point the third father just drops stone cold to the ground, (laughs) doctor runs to him and and wakes him up, and he says, what happened, why did you faint?" It. he goes, "Uh, I'm the owner of the 7-Up Company, you know, um, I, I love, I love being a pastor because one of my joys is to, to have people uh, get married and start a family and have children, and we're so excited for you guys. In fact, this message here is not catered towards you, by the way, okay? Okay? Because we're studying through the book of Acts, and as parents, what we know as parents is that we are so grateful that God will give to us, some of us, the gift of being parents, and that's the grace of God. A singleness is a gift from God. Being married is also a gift from God. But for those who are parents, you know, when we are given the gift of being parents, we have dreams for our children. Is that right? We dream that they'll grow into the love of God. We we dream that they would uh, meet the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. We dream that they will be good citizens in this world. We dream that they do well in life and we pray over them. And you know, and we want them to have kids one day, and that's our dream. You see, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where we are this morning, if you know, we're tracking through the book of Acts. In chapter 2, it's the birth of the church. So that's the day where we, Sun Life Church today, you know, 2021, this church in Liderville, church history took place on that day of Pentecost, some 2,000 years ago. And when the church was birthed, right? Jesus, he had in mind this particular type of church. There was a dream for this church. You know, when Jesus spoke to Peter in the gospel and he said to Peter that I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades, you know, would do nothing against it, right? There's a type of church that God intended to see take place, right? And I really believe, I really believe with all my heart that we are called to be a bold church, a brave church, And I I titled this message here, A Bold Church is Born. A Bold Church is Born. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me now to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 all the way to 21. If you have the church app, this is also a good time to open up the church app because uh, the notes will be there. And I want to show you that we are called to be a brave church, a bold church. Uh, Christ died for a church that is to be bold. And there are three things I see in the text I want to teach you. The first one is that we are to see boldness in you know, our pursuit of the Spirit's presence. Right? They were bold in wanting the things of the Spirit. Secondly, boldness with their praises. And thirdly, a boldness in their proclamation. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to to be a great uh, teacher this morning. Holy Spirit, would you help me to teach well? Uh, Would you speak to us this morning? Uh, Would I speak with clarity, with passion, with authority? And Lord, may we hear from you, and may we leave this morning a change. So would you help me in this time? Uh, Give me strength. Give me clarity of speech. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, are we ready? Do we have our Bibles out? Acts chapter 2, verses 1. Boldness for the Holy Spirit's presence. Let me read the Word of God. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of violent wind or rushing wind from heaven filled the whole house where they were sitting, Verse three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them here 's the context here: For Jewish people, there are three uh, major festivals which revolves around uh, farming, whether it 's barley or wheat or, 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 or vines, grapes. Um, the day of Pentecost, which we see in the New Testament, is also known as the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. It's the second uh, festival. The first one is where they would remember the Passover, and that's where they would celebrate uh, uh, the, the barley season. And the Passover, you remember in the Old Testament, uh, was when the people of God would remember how God would deliver them out of Egypt. Remember the Passover? Well, Around 50 days, 50 days after that, we have the day of Pentecost or in the Old Testament, the Feast of Harvest, where they would celebrate the beginning of the summer harvest season. So all the Jewish men, depending where you are, would head back into Jerusalem with your first fruit offering. And it was like a huge celebration. So the context right here is on this day, the day of Pentecost, we have all these Jewish people from around the Mediterranean world. They would come back into Jerusalem to celebrate, right? People from Africa, from Egypt, from Iran, even from Italy, Rome, would come back. Now, what we see in the text here is that the disciples are together. All right, there's arguments whether it's 12 or 120 disciples. I believe it's 120 disciples. So it's not a small room. It's a big room around this size here. They're together. They're praying because they're waiting for the Spirit to come. Because remember, uh, days before that, Jesus says, you know, the Spirit of God will come upon you. So as we read through the text, we notice that the Spirit came, but there were three signs. Three signs I want to show in the text. Three signs. The first sign was an audible sign. They could hear it. Look in the Bible carefully. It, it was a sound like the blowing of violent wind. You see that, right? You, you see the phrase there? sound like. It's metaphorical. So we can't draw the conclusion the Spirit came and there was wind. It's not wind. It was this sound. Right? There was a sound like, and there's a connection in the Bible with wind. If you know your Bible, and I know this church knows your Bible, but remember we were teaching on the Holy Spirit, and one of the ways that the authors would describe the Holy Spirit's presence was wind. The Greek word for wind is the word what? Pneuma, right? Or the Hebrew word for wind or breathe or breath is what? ruach, right? And so that was how they described the presence of God in the Spirit. If you also know your Bible, when, when God spoke to uh, Job, remember the book of Job? If you remember your Bible, he spoke to Job from a whirlwind, remember? And that's how he spoke. Or if you remember when uh, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, and he described that the Spirit of God is like wind blowing. You can't see him, but you can see his effects and feel him. So there's a connection that God's presence in his Spirit was like wind but it's metaphorical, right? It's, it's, it's not, there was wind. It was a sounding, rushing wind. The second sign we see here, there was a visual sign. A visual sign. Look carefully in the text. Saw what seemed like the tongues of fire that separated them and rest upon them. You see that? Saw what seemed. So I don't think there was fire on the heads of the disciples. Like sometimes when we look at illustrators and we see the pictures of the disciples in the upper room and they seem to have a little flame, I get it. But the text is saying that it was what? Seems to be fire. And we know in the Bible there's a connection between the presence of God and fire. Remember? You know, when Moses encountered God in Exodus 3, God was in a bush that was on fire. Remember? Or when the, the law was given to the people at Mount Sinai, God's presence was smoke and fire. Remember, when God said that, you know, at night, I'm going to guide you through the wilderness, it's going to be a pillar of fire. So once again, God's presence that came that day, day of Pentecost, was like wind and like fire. And the third sign we see here was a verbal sign, right? Right? they began to speak when the spirit came there was some kind of noise that came out they spoke in other tongues or languages that the spirit enabled them now very important for you to understand this i believe that the tongues here is not the same tongues that we have studied in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 because if you remember In 1 Corinthians, Paul was talking about a tongue, a language which only kind of God understood, and it was for their self-edification, and the people around them didn't really understood what they were saying, unless you had the gift of what? Interpretation, is that right? But the tongues here, people understood what they were saying. Go with me to verse 7 and 8. Utterly amazed, they asked, this were the Jewish people, Ain't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us could hear? Hear them in our native language. Can you see that? So there's these three signs when the Spirit came. Now listen carefully. You should be asking the question now, well, what has that got to do with boldness in wanting the presence of the Holy Spirit? What's the point with these three information? Well, here's the thing here. Listen carefully. As we study through the book of Acts, there's going to be a lot of things that we read and learn and see that can be a bit strange, can be a bit odd, sometimes a bit weird and spooky. You know, tongues of fire, prophecy, healings, you know, signs and wonders, right? And it doesn't help when we have some of Pentecostal charismatic friends who get a bit excited and kind of put a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And it makes out that this is really, really scary. And if we're not careful, what happens is that we tend to just ignore the Spirit because we're afraid of the work of the Spirit. We kind of sweep the Spirit under the carpet and we don't talk about the Spirit and we don't acknowledge His existence and we kind of say, well, we like the Father and we like the Son, but when it comes to the Spirit, the book of Acts is a bit scary and there's so much going on, so what we'll do is we'll just ignore it and we don't want much to do with the Holy Spirit. We like the Father, we like the Son, but Spirit, uh, put that aside. I want you to understand that as sunlifers, that you should be bold in wanting the presence of the Holy Spirit. That He is not scary. He is not spooky. He is actually God in the Spirit. And there are things in the book of Acts that as you read and study it together, it's going to be a bit strange. But it's okay. We need to understand in the book of Acts, there are prescriptive events and descriptive events. And what I mean by that is this, prescriptive events are patterns for what should take place, all right? Descriptive events are just events that happen and are not a pattern. So if you read the book of Acts and and if you assume that everything is prescriptive and that's a pattern for Christian living, then you've read the book wrong, okay? Okay? Not everyone is going to speak in tongues. Not everyone's going to prophesy when the Spirit of God comes upon them. But if you read it like that, you're going to be disappointed. I'll prove it to you. Do you remember when they had to find a replacement for Judas and they picked Matthias? Do you remember what happened? Do you know how they picked him? Well, the book tells us they're rolling dice or stones. It was casting lots. We don't do that anymore. I don't go, well, who's the next member on the executive leadership team? Just roll a few stones. Oh, yeah, Min Lam, you're it. We don't do that, right? So when we read the book of Acts, there's certain things where we go, wait a minute, that's descriptive. That's explaining what's happened. But that's prescriptive. That's explaining what should happen. And I believe that when the disciples were in that room waiting, longing for the Holy Spirit, that's prescriptive, that we as Christians today, we should long for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We should be bold to say, come on, Holy Spirit, come. I need to experience you. I want to feel you in my life. We want to be a church like that. And you should be safe in this church to say, well, Holy Spirit said this to me, Pastor, during the week, and I want to hear that. I want to encourage that. I want you to pray to God and say, Holy Spirit, will you give me wisdom to raise my children? Will you help me share the gospel message? Holy Spirit, I'm driving home for the next 45 minutes from work and I don't want to listen to the radio. I want to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, will you speak to me? We should be a church like that where we want the presence of the Holy Spirit that so we long and bold to hear Him and experience Him and share with the people around us. That's the type of church that I want. I don't want this church to be just word, 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 head, 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 head. No, that's not the church that I believe we ought to be. I, I read a quote somewhere, and I'm not quite sure whether, I can't remember who wrote this, but I'll read it to you. It's, it goes to be like this. "Is all word and no spirit we dry up. I don't want us to be a church where it's just, all word all bible head knowledge head knowledge and i could tell you the three signs when the holy spirit came it was you know audible it was visual it was verbal well that's just all head and we just blow up thinking that we're a lot better than the church down the road because we're so good and there's this knowledge and that's the theology and we're such a deep church robust i don't want us to be that type of church but then look at this all spirit and no word we blow up in other words a church where signs and wonders, and there's no theology, there's no Bible, and we walk around thinking that we're so close to God and we're the best going around time. I don't want us to be that type of church. Let's not be dry. Let's not be arrogant. But look at this. Both Word and Spirit, we grow up. We mature. I don't want us to be a church where we are bold to pursue the presence of God's Spirit that we want to be Word. We also want to be Spirit. And we want both to come together and we grow in our love for Christ, in our love for the people here, in our love for our friends who are so far from Him. And so I give you the license, Sun Life Church, to be bold in pursuing the presence of the Spirit. I give you a license to to ask the Holy Spirit to manifest in a tangible way. I, I want you to... If you're a uni student and you're about to present something in front of your, your peers, I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength and courage to stand there boldly and, and present that presentation. I want us, if, if you're raising children and you're finding it really, really tough, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to teach you things that you may not know and how to raise your children. I want us to be a church where we are bold to really want the Spirit's presence. Amen? That's the first thing. The second thing here is that we notice there was a boldness in their praises. Look in verses 5 to 9. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Ain't all these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, Then how is it that each of us can hear our native language? Parthians, Medes, the Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, etc., etc. So here's the context. All these uh, Jewish people who've left Jerusalem, lived in other parts of the Mediterranean world, they come back for this celebration, remember, the day of Pentecost, and they begin to hear in this room that these Galileans are speaking things that they could understand. And they're like, these are Galileans. Like, if you know your Bible, Galileans, uh, how do I say this in a very nice way? Uh, the people of Galilee, they're like from the ghettos, like uneducated people, you know, like they speak a certain language, maybe from like, be careful how I say this, like if you're in America, they're from the, the southerners, that a certain attitude, a certain way of speaking, and not very educated people. So these people came and said, wait, well, they're Galileans. How did they learn our language? How, how can they speak our language? All right. They were so surprised, right? But then we find out what they were saying. We have to read to verse 11 and 12. Look at this. We heard, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? You see, a certain translation would say things like, you know, we hear them, we heard them uh, speaking of the mighty deeds or the mighty works of God, we find out that they were not proclaiming the gospel and drawing people to return and repent. No, the text would say they were what? Praising God. They were declaring the wonders of God. Can you see that? They were saying that God has been so good. In fact, um, Luke, the author, would write something very similar to this a few years prior. Go with me to Luke 19, 37-38. Now, uh, when he came near the place where the road goes down to Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. A blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You see, you see, the people back then they were praising God. That's praising. They were sharing to one another of the great things God has done. And I really believe as Christians today, we are called to be walking billboards, proclaiming the glorious works of God. That you and I today, as we live out our days, we should share to everyone what God has done for us. That's what we should do. Like If God has blessed you, share that with someone. We should share with our children like if you are praying with your child uh, you know that night and the next day god answered your prayers you should share with your children Uh, you should be bold to let the whole world know that god has done some great things in your life if you have social media don't be afraid to write something and say hey god has done this hashtag mighty deeds of god hashtag god has got this You know, we should be bold to let the world know that our God is real. We should be bold to let the whole world know that our God has done something for us and we are to shout His praises. The psalmist writes this in Psalms 71, 15 and 16. My mouth will tell you of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate to them, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. That's what we are going to do. We are to be bold in our praises. And you know what happens when you are bold in your praises and when you begin to share the mighty works of God to your children, to your friends, to your family? You know what happens? You build their faith. You build their faith. You encourage them. You help them trust God more. In fact, for some who may not know God, you are drawing them closer to this God who's so real to you. When you and I are willing to share of God's great deeds and works to all around us, you're building people up. You know, one of the missionaries in our church here was telling me that... um, Just a few months ago, uh, things were going very, very tough. Funds were being cut, and it was like really, really tight. And there was a week where it was like, how are we going to get through this? That person shared with me that that particular week, that person found full-time work on that week where they were going to struggle. And that full-time work was like more than they need to help them get by. Share that with me. I rejoice. That built my faith. I heard of someone in our church who wanted to buy a laptop so they can do some work and, and needed around $1,500 and was looking for a laptop and was just scratching their head and saying, you know, where are we going to find this money? A few days later, in their bank account, guess how much? $1,500 came in. And you tell me that God is not real. You tell me God is not doing some mighty works. He is in this church. He is in your walk, in my walk, and we have a responsibility to be walking billboards, to showcase and be bold, to share all the world of what He's done and give praises to Him. If you do that and if I do that, I really believe that's going to really build the faith of those around us. Amen. I was just talking to someone last night. Last night, I said to that person around three, four weeks ago, that God placed in my heart, just to remember you. I I don't know why. And I just said to that person, God was doing something in my heart and I was just remembering you and I was thinking about you and I was asking for you because I haven't seen you for some time. And that person hesitated a little bit and said to me, well, you know what? Around three weeks ago, I was remembering you. No, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. They didn't say that. They said around three weeks ago, God placed something in my heart for this church and I'm so glad that you've kind of confirmed what god has been speaking to me and i'm so glad that this is my home church you know god is doing something wonderful in all of us we should not be afraid we should be bold all right with our praises we should share it with people because you never know that's going to build someone up that's going to draw someone closer to god and we see that the disciples here they were bold with their praises and you and i we ought to be bold with our praises amen Here's the the thing that I want you to see is that in verse 12, look what happens. Amazed and perplexed, these are with the Jewish people. They ask one another, what does this mean? What's going on? What a wonderful launch plan to proclaim of the gospel amen when someone looks at us and go wow i can't believe it what does this mean is this god really real what a wonderful platform to launch into our proclamation right and that's my third point right here was there was a boldness in their proclamation look in verses 13 to 15 some however made fun of them and said oh they had too much wine then peter stood up with the eleven That's the disciples, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He says, Fellow Jews, and all of you who lived in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. You see, some of the Jews began to make fun of the disciples. See, what I've learned over the years as a a Christian, right, and as a pastor, is that when you begin to share, right, of the the praises of God, and some people, they don't get it, right, and they don't accept God, right, you you know what's going to happen? They're not going to attack God. They're going to attack you. It's going to become personal, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to say things like, oh, they're they're just weird, oh, those crazy, you know, spiritual Christians, oh, it's not weird, it's all weird, it's not real, you know, and they begin to attack you personally, but you know what, that didn't stop Peter, this was the Peter, remember? This was the Peter who was so worried about his own image. This was the Peter, remember weeks ago when he was like running away, hiding. This was the Peter at the death of Jesus, right? Would 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 deny Jesus three times, right? To hide and and, and and say, I don't know this Jesus. This was a very scared Peter who was more concerned about what people thought of him, right? And right now, these people are mocking the disciples, saying, Oh, they're all drunk. But he says, you know what? No, they're not. There was a boldness to stand up to speak the truth, to defend the gospel. And what we notice right here is that he begins to speak his first sermon. What we see for the rest of chapter two is a message that Peter would begin to share of this great God. I love it how he begins to quote Joel chapter two, right? So let's go back to Acts. He says, In the last days, God says, "I will pour out my spirit to all people, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, etc, etc. You remember he was quoting what Joel chapter two right we've studied Joel already, right, and so what Joel was prophesizing back then it took place on this day where God's spirit would fall upon all ages, all genders, all ranks, all race God's spirit." upon them as they began to trust in Jesus and we saw it taking place right here but look at the very end of this morning's passage in verse 21 and Peter says and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved that's boldness he didn't say may be safe might be safe he says will be saved I mean there's courage to say to your friends that if you want saving the answer is Jesus Christ that's boldness it's bold to say to your friends, well, don't look for the, the self-help book at the, in the bookstore. No, look towards Jesus. That's boldness. It's boldness to say, well, if you want your sins to be forgiven, turn to Jesus. That's boldness. It's bold to say, well, the hope of this world is not on whatever, but on Jesus. That's boldness. And what we see right here, he would say that if you are to call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You will be saved. And that's the type of church that I want Sun Life Church to be. That we are to be bold with our proclamation of the gospel. God did not place us right on this street, right? Oxford Street, Leaderville, so that we can get comfortable. No, we are to be bold. We are to proclaim that Jesus is the hope to this dying world, that Jesus is the answer to our problem of sin. We are to be brave. Not only on a Sunday morning context, but wherever God placed us during the week. At home, in our workplace, we're to be bold. The apostles here, they weren't ashamed. Peter wasn't concerned. He stood up, raised his voice to say, hey, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And that boldness is what I want Sun Life Church to be. I was so encouraged uh, watching the Olympics. I've got a picture here of Nicola McDermott. If you know, she won silver, high jump. I I was so encouraged. Um, I've never seen her before. I I was never big into athletics. Maybe once every four years at the Olympics. But before she attempted her her jump, I I was watching what she was doing. She had this huge grin, and she looked towards the heaven, and she said something. I'm not very good at lip reading, but she was saying something. She smiled and then she would go, come on! And then she'll run and she'll jump. And I said to my sons, I reckon she's a Christian, of which I did not know at that time. And I know she wrote something on her, on her risk. And we found out later on, she wrote, Jesus makes all things new. She wants silver and at the interview someone asked her, why did you write that? Jesus makes all things new." And right with the whole world watching her, winning silver, let me, let me quote her. She says, knowing that I'm with God, He has been with me every single training session. God has been with me in every single training session. And I'm carrying a message. I'm carrying a message bigger than myself that He, that's Jesus, is going to make things new wow, this is a young girl going that I'm carrying a message that Jesus is going to make things new. The old gone, the new is here. And she continues on. My hope, my hope is that the stadiums will be filled again in this post-COVID world. But maybe not just for athletics performances, but that we will see revivals again in the stadiums and that people will hear a message of faith and a gospel, a good news. They will really inspire like they did with Billy Graham decades, years ago. And she says, in 2017 was my big moment when it flicked the switch. I decided to pursue God over sport. Whatever comes from sport is a bonus, but I'm already complete and perfect and loved as a person, regardless of it. That just allowed me to soar over every high jump bar and not be scared anymore because i'm so loved that's the most important thing how bold is that with the whole world watching you the whole country watching you win silver say that i'm so loved by god i'm not afraid to let the world know that jesus makes things new sun life church i want us to be bold in our proclamation of the gospel and i'm not calling you to come up here next week and preach a message no i want you to be bold from home start proclaiming the gospel message to your children if you haven't start doing it be bold in proclaiming your message to your best friend you have a best friend because god has allowed you to know this person and there's a reason why they're your best friend share the gospel message be bold to proclaim the message to your colleagues be bold. Or maybe that mom at playgroup or that person you see at school, your classmate, be bold. Yeah, persecution will come. They'll think that you're crazy. They might even say that you're drunk. But it's okay. You can be bold. Because the Spirit of God that is in Nicola McDermott, the Spirit of God that is in Peter the Apostle, is the same Spirit in you and I today. And we can ask that Spirit, to help us to be bold. That's the type of church that we ought to be. And when I talk about church, I'm not talking about Sun Life Church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, you and I, people who are out there this week, being on mission, doing God's work. So remember, boldness for the Holy Spirit presence. Amen? Want Him. Long for Him. Don't be afraid of Him. Don't shy away from Him. Boldness with our praises. Whatever He's done in your life, share it. Build someone's faith up. Draw them closer to the cross. Boldness in our proclamation. Proclaim this good news, this good message. That's the church that was birthed 2,000 years ago. That's the church that we ought to be. Amen. So you go well, Sun Life Church. You be encouraged. I don't want you to listen to this message and go, well, that's a great message. Thank you so much for reminding me, Pastor. But no, no, I want to inspire you so that as of this afternoon, you're out there doing something this afternoon. As of this week, you know, when you're out there, you know, praising. You know, I'm I'm gonna watch everyone's social media account this week, and I want to see you share the praises of God. Only kidding, I won't do that. But I want you not to listen to a message and go, "Well, oh, that's great," and I'm just gonna just endure Christianity, so that next week I get to hear another message. No, no, no. I want to inspire you to be a mission, to get out there, and be the church that Jesus died for. The church that was birthed two thousand years ago. Old. A bold church is born. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that we know clearly the type of church we ought to be. I thank you so much that you want us to be bold. And I pray for that boldness in everyone at Sun Life Church, Lord, that we will be bold this week, Lord, bold to pursue your presence. We want more of your Holy Spirit. We want you to work in us. We want to encounter you in a fresh way. We're not afraid of these signs and wonders. Lord, we know, God, that you're so real. And we want you to do that work in our hearts. We want to be bold with our praises, Lord. We want to share people of your mighty deeds, your good works and what you have done. We want to share and share and share. And we've asked, God, that as we share, it will build people up. It will draw them closer to you. And Father, we want to be bold with our proclamation. We want to proclaim the greatest news of them all, the good news, the gospel. Oh, we thank you so much. We love you. Bless us. Remind us that your spirit is in us. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit that is in Peter, is also the spirit in us. Will you use us this week? as we head out on mission, as we head home, as we head to the marketplace, as we head to our university, to our high school, oh Lord, will you use us? May this week be a week of being, what, of being bold for your glory alone. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand up right now?